Well, good morning, Spring House. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. If you're joining us on live stream, thank you for joining us today. Uh, it's truly good to see you. Just a couple of things uh, this morning. First of all, who in here has a teenager? Who has a teenager? Parents of teenagers. Parents of teenagers. There is a teenager parent meeting, right? This afternoon, right following this gathering from 12 to 1 in the fellowship hall. And uh, Pastor James would love to see your face because he has some stuff to share with you about your teens and what's coming up this year. So if you'll make a plan to uh, go to the fellowship hall between 12 and 1, that would really bless our youth pastors. Yes? All right. So that's that. A couple of things that I want to put on your radar. Uh, Sherry and I, are, along with Bruce and Jill Coble, will be leading a trip to Israel. Um, and uh, we'd like you to be a part of it. And so uh, we will be having an informational meeting next Sunday via Zoom at 3 p.m. And so we will be sending out that information. We've already been posting it on our social media. We will send another email out so you'll have the, um, the Zoom link. Uh, but if you are interested in that, it's a general information meeting. You're not committing by coming to the meeting, but if you would be interested in going to Israel with us, we would love to, uh, we'd love to have you. Okay. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing, and again, this is just to put this on your radar. We're going to give you some more information soon. Uh, we have an upcoming conference uh, here at Springhouse, April 1st through 4th. And I just want you to lock those dates as you're planning your spring calendar and all of that. It's going to be a real uh, sweet and special time. Uh, our conference is going to have a feel of a homecoming this year. And if you are here and you're a part of the Springhouse family, you will not want to miss our time together April 1st through 4th. So mark your calendars and we'll have some more information to come in the next, uh, in the next few weeks. Does that sound good? All right. You're in for a treat this morning because Pastor Ronnie is going to be bringing our word. Would you welcome him? Uh, it's there. Yeah. Have you ever uh, <clears throat> found yourself in a situation where you were wondering, why am I here? <laughs> you, know, so, uh, you know, it might be, uh, you know, you feel like a seven-year-old at a dating conference uh, or, uh, you know, a vegan at a meatpacking convention or something. <laughs> and sometimes it's a church. Uh, you're a new believer and you've just... You're so excited because you've just discovered that the big numbers are chapters and the little numbers are verses. <laughs> and the sermon is somebody trying to explain the Trinity to you <laughs> as if they had a clue. <laughs> yeah. The good news is that today we have a topic that applies to every single one of you, touches every single life that's here. Because we're going to talk about temptation. The Irish poet and playwright Oscar Wilde had a lot of quotes that people quote, but my favorite one of his is, I can resist anything except temptation. <laughs> and that's often the case with believers, although they just aren't as candid about it as Oscar Wilde was. Uh, today's a subject we all, all deal with, uh, and it can help to understand 
what we're dealing with. So today we're going to look at the nature of temptation. It's not just a uh, um, amoeba shaped thing out there. There are definite elements to it. And we're going to look at the nature of it. And we're going to look at some things that the Bible tells us about temptation. And first of all, we're going to look at maybe the most famous temptation. Well, actually, it's one of the two most famous temptations of all time. So would you stand with me? And we're going to read from Matthew chapter 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the truth that are in your word. I thank you, Father, that the Holy Spirit attends us today. I pray that you would minister to each heart so that we would hear what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You deal with temptation, and so do I. Some would say that after coming to Jesus, that all goes away. <laughs> they are wrong. It doesn't all go away. And, and <clears throat> in fact, that's usually when it really gets started. Uh, when I was a teenager growing up in church, in my, in my dad's church, actually I was a baby in a child and a preteen and the whole, the whole thing. But growing up in my dad's church, when I was a teenager, uh, the, uh, the denomination had this magazine that it would put out. Probably once a month. I don't remember if it was once a month, once a quarter. But uh, I just know that every now and then I'd come to church and bam, there'd be the, the high call magazine that they would give to us. And, and you know, for years I was, I was thinking that the title of that thing had been High Teen, but that'd be a really unfortunate title. I, uh, are y'all here today? I, I mean, really, the first service did better than this. Okay. Uh, it was High Call ma magazine, and I only remember one issue of it, because that issue, I, I came in one Sunday, and lo and behold, they gave me a High Teen magazine, and it was all about, <laughs> yeah, okay, one, two, three, sex, that's what it was about. Uh, everybody could say that together, but uh, 
and I read it from cover to cover. Uh, and, and I don't remember really exactly what it said. I just, I think they were against it. Uh, it's, and uh, so anyway, that was the only issue that I, that I remembered. Years later, I met a man named Gail Irwin. And it, it turns out that Gail Irwin had been the editor of that magazine. And had put out that issue, and he told me the rest of the story. It seems that the week that that was put out, he got a visit from the uh, assistant general superintendent of the denomination. And he explained to this gentleman that he intended for this to be an yearly a yearly issue that, uh, that they put out each year. And the gentleman explained to him that it would not be a yearly issue. In fact, it was never going to be an issue again because, because and I quote, our young people don't think about such things. <laughs> it was the only issue I read. It's the only one I remembered. All young people think about such things. And all people deal with temptation, <clears throat> especially after they get saved. Did you, did you read what it said? Did you note? Uh, well, actually, you didn't because it was in the previous chapter. But it was right after Jesus was baptized that this happened. There were a lot of people baptized last week here. And I know one thing about every one of them. Every one of them got tempted this week after they were baptized. In fact, it says the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. You go, well, God doesn't tempt people. No, but he will let you be tempted. For the same reason that if you go out for the football team, the coach will let you run wind sprints. The, if, you, if you join the military, they will let you do push-ups and maybe even a whole bunch of them. God doesn't just want to bring you into the kingdom and leave you as an infant. He wants you to grow up and become strong. And so there are times when we're going to be, we're going to be tempted. This week, when my wife Michelle discovered what the topic of the sermon was, she said, she asked me, uh, are you going to share some personal stories? You're going to share about your struggles with temptation and everything with everybody? And, and, I, and I looked at her like she had three heads. And I said, no, absolutely not. Because I, for one thing, if I did that, I mean, this isn't about me, but if I shared that, it would be about me. I mean, all the conversation that would go on about this sermon uh, after the service was over would be, can you believe that he did <laughs> Suffice it to say, I am tempted. Okay, there it is. Big letters. Put it up there. They, I, I think that's why this one went out was because it didn't want to <laughs> get any bigger than And I often have more in common with Oscar Wilde than I do with Jesus Christ. And so do you, unfortunately. When I came to the Lord, there were some things that just went, bam, they were gone. Uh, you know, one day I was 
I was struggling with them, or I, you know, I wasn't really struggling because I wasn't with the Lord, but I was just, I was dealing with them, and, and then I came to the Lord, and the next morning I got up, they were gone. <laughs> Did, has anybody ever had that experience with the Lord? I mean, a few of you, a few of you have, and the rest of you aren't paying any attention. Uh, but, there were, but there were a number of things that he didn't do that with. I wish he had done it with everything. That'd be great. Uh, I wish he had done it with more things. That'd be good. But there were a lot of things that he went, no, no, we're going to work on this together. We're, we're going to walk this out together for a while. Some of them we may walk out for the rest of your life. The theme of three runs through creation. Uh, I mean, if you've ever uh, watched a Saturday morning cartoon, uh, every, you know, it's the third time that it shifts to the next thing. And there's, there's just a theme of three. And uh, it also runs through the nature of temptation. Over in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it says this, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the uh, eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And when it says the world, it's not talking about the planet necessarily. It's talking about the system. Everything that the world system operates on, whether you're a, 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 a capitalist or a communist or a socialist or a, a what are, it, other is's are there, uh, um, fascist, you know, whatever you may happen to be, that's what it operates on. Those three things are what makes it run because that's all that is in the world, the world system. And we see, we see this in, in Eden. I, I said that this was one of the two most famous temptations, the temptation of Christ. If you go back to Genesis chapter 3, uh, you'll see the other one. Um, in Eden, uh, Eve was tempted, and it says this. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, and he said, yes, dear. Good for food, lust of the flesh. Pleasing to the eye, lust of the eyes. Desirable for gaining wisdom, pride of life. So we also see those three things in the, in the temptation of Jesus. Uh, but let me say one other thing before I get there. I want to I do a bunny trail here for just a minute. You notice that the tempter started out with, if you are the son of God, Often we're tempted because we're uncertain about who we are. We're uncertain. And, and um, you know, back in the 80s, I guess, is when this thing came out about who you are in Christ. You know, I can, I can do this and I can do that and I can have that because that's who I am in Christ. I have the authority and all that. Now, who you are. You are you are greatly loved of God. If, if you don't know Jesus, you're not yet his child in that way, but you're still greatly loved. And when you do come to know Jesus, then, then you're not only greatly loved, you are a greatly loved child. And children have access 
Children have privileges that others don't have. A number of years ago, I was at a conference up in Pittsburgh. A man named Alan Vinson was, was sharing, and he shared a story that just stuck with me for the rest of my life. At least I believe it will. Uh, Alan Vinson's an Englishman, and he has a friend in England who uh, ran a particular charity. I, I don't know what it was. I don't even know if he mentioned what it was. But he had an appointment with uh, Prince Philip, with uh, the Duke of Edinburgh, to see if he would be um, willing to become a patron of this charity that he was running. And he had a 15-minute time frame to go in and make his pitch to the, to the Duke uh, and the English tend to be pretty precise about time. And so, you know, when there, there were a lot of people there, actually, and I think they all had 15 minutes. And so when, you, when Alan's friend uh, had his 15 minutes, he goes in, and, and for about two or three minutes, he's beginning to, he's sharing what, he's give, making his pitch, and then suddenly the door burst open, and this little kid comes running in, going, Daddy, my, my, my toy is broken. And I don't know if it was Charles or Andrew or who it was, but uh, the prince let him climb up in his lap, and he spent about six or seven minutes fiddling with his toy and fixing it and getting it back together. Okay, you can go now. And then he looked at Alan's friend and said, uh, I'm very sorry, you only have four minutes left. <laughs> Children don't have to make an appointment. Children have access. That's who you are. That's who you are. Well, these are the temptations that Satan brought to Jesus. He said, uh, if you are the son of God, well, Jesus knew he didn't have anything to prove. If you are the son of God, turn these stones to bread, lust of the flesh. Of course, Jesus needed to eat. But he didn't need to obey Satan to get food. You know, uh, we often don't trust God to meet our needs. We just simply don't. I mean, Will was sharing about uh, their experience with tithing. He and his wife's experience with tithing. And, and, and I think for a lot of people, for most people, it is a matter of what's, if enough is left over, then... You know, we'll see about giving to God. And, and the reason is because we're afraid there's not going to be enough left over. We're afraid. And we can't be generous because we're afraid. Even though the Word of God says that one person uh, withholds unduly and, and yet comes to ruin, while another person is generous and lends freely and has more all the time. And let me tell you something. It works that way. It works that way, but we're afraid to be generous with others. Uh, we're afraid to be generous not only with our money. We're afraid to be, to be generous with our hearts. I'm afraid to be generous with my heart because if I put my heart out there, it might get hurt. It might get broken. If I, if I forgive that situation... If I extend mercy in that situation, then, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with me. You know, I mean, the, the, the most merciful, the most put it out there in love person that ever came to earth, they, they, they crucified him. And, and that, might, that might happen to me. 
You know, so I gotta, I gotta protect this thing. And, and God says, no, no, you don't. You can trust him. He is faithful. He is faithful. So anyway, the lust of the flesh, and then throw yourself down so people will see you protected by angels. And then they'll know, you know, I mean, okay, you know who you are? Let's tell them. Let's broadcast it. Let's, let's get you some billboards or something out here so that people will know that you are the Son of God. God says, humble yourself under my mighty hand, and in due season, I'll lift you up. You see, what people know or what people think about you is not particularly important. What is important is what God knows about you. And so Jesus didn't have to prove anything to the people. And then, see these kingdoms? I can give them to you. The lust of the eyes. The same, the same three elements. Now, they're not always in that particular order. You know, sometimes it's uh, GDC and sometimes it's GCD, you know, that, that, that comes along in the song. But, and, and oftentimes, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a temptation casserole. They, they kind of all get mixed in together. The lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes kind of, you know, work together. And maybe the boastful pride of life comes along. But, but that's, that's what the world has to offer, and that is what when you're being tempted understand it's one of these things and it or, or two of them or all three but it's nothing else those are the only things that are there and john says over in first john 2 17 the world and its desires pass away but whoever does the will of god lives forever and i also want to point out before i move on here there are two sides to each coin one coin got two sides to it. You know that. And so the lust of the flesh is one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is denying anything to do with the flesh. So, well, isn't that a good thing? If God told you to do that, but most of the time that we go there, you know, God, cre there are so many things that God created for us to enjoy. There's so many, I mean, he created, the, we don't have to be afraid of this world. We don't, I mean, a lot of really uh, bad cults and doctrines have grown out of the fact that, no, we can't have anything whatsoever to do with the flesh. Uh, that's not, I mean, Jesus came eating and drinking. You know, he, he said, you, you people, you're like kids in the marketplace calling out to one another. I, I played a happy tune for you. You didn't dance. I played a sad tune for you. You didn't cry. John came, and he was fasting and doing all those things. You said, well, he's got a demon in him. And the Son of Man came, and he was, you know, going to parties and, and, and eating and drinking. You say, well, <laughs> you know, he's a drunkard. He's a, he's a, he's a friend of, of bad people. No, you don't. You don't. It, the reason that we go to that side of the coin is because we're trying to do it ourselves. And you can't do it yourself. There's ab absolutely no way that you can do it yourself. Uh, the lust of the eyes and then totally denying the beauty that God has put into this world. You know, some people go, uh, might tend to go, well, you know, I know how to deal with the lust of the eyes. I just won't look at anything. God wants you to look at stuff. 
He, he created this. What he wants you to be able to do, a free life is one that can look at beauty and go, oh, that's beautiful, without going, I want that. The boastful pride of life and the feeling, it's boastful pride of life, feeling of total unworthiness. Well, I don't deal with the boastful pride of life. That's not a problem for me because... You know, I'm not worth anything. God, yeah, he can give me any talents, and I just, I can't do anything. What? He created you. You're, you're, you're his child. Jesus Christ died on the cross for something worthless. He died on the cross for you. You have access to God because you're worthless? No. Uh-uh. So just be aware, there's, there's, there's two sides to this. Now, uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, tell us some things about temptation and about how to deal with temptation. This is what Paul's talking about here, temptation. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And there are three, three particular things here, and I, you know, some of you may already see them, but for those of you who don't, let me point them out to you, and for those of you who do, let me point them out to you. The first one is, one of the enemy's schemes is to get you to think you're the only one and you're the worst. You're the only one who struggles with this, and you're the worst. I, I struggle with temptations, and, and some of my hardest struggles are the same things you struggle with. Almost everybody here in the room, if I, if I were to say, okay, well, no, let me, let me say something else before I go there. Because when we think of temptation, certain things tend to, to pop to mind. Uh, immorality. Certainly, that's one of the things that pops to mind. Uh, greed, that's one of the things that, that, that comes to mind. Uh, the temptation to judge others, to, to judge other people, that's one of the things that comes to mind. Uh, but I, I, I don't think any of those are number one. I think number one, I think the, the biggest temptation that we face in life is fear. It's fear. Uh, I, I, I really, in fact, over in Revelation where it talks about those who will not enter the, the New Jerusalem, the holy city, the first group of people it mentions are the fearful. The fearful fear is, a, fear is why we don't obey God most of the time. Yeah, I, I grew up in a, in a, a church setting where it was kind of really pushed that, man, you need to get out there. You need to be sharing your testimony now. You need to be, need to be talking. You need to be talking about Jesus. And yeah, that's a good thing. But man, did it freak me out. Because I get in a situation and there might be, uh, you know, there's, there's a stranger sitting on a bench, let's just say. And, well, you know, somebody looks like James or something. And, and you know, and, and I feel like I need to go ask him if he knows Jesus. Oh, I'm afraid to do that, you know. Or, or maybe, maybe there's a, God wants me to say something to somebody. And I'm going, I'm, I'm scared. So, you know, I don't obey God. Or, you know, when it comes to finances, God says, put me first, put me first. 
I'm afraid about doing that. Or when it comes to extending mercy, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't want to get there. I don't, I don't want to go there. So I think fear is number one. And, and I think that if everybody in this room, if I were to ask the question, what is your big temptation that you struggle with, uh, most of you would immediately know. You'd immediately go, yep, that's what mine is. Uh, and those of you who would not know, you're in worse shape than the ones who do know. Because you got something, and it's a big old blind spot. Okay. I struggle with temptations. And while I'm not going to tell you what my biggest struggles are, looking across the room, I suspect that there's a whole bunch of you got the same thing. And whatever your big struggle is, if you look around the room, there's a whole bunch of people got the same, got the same issue that you got. When we were at, uh, a long time ago, Wayne and I were in Knoxville, uh, with, with our friend Randy and Kurt, and we were playing a concert, a Christian concert, a place called Aslan's Lair. And uh, we had a heckler in the... Uh, and we weren't used to being heckled, because we were good. <laughs> and he, he wasn't, but he wasn't heckling us about our music. He was heckling us about what we were saying about Jesus and what Jesus can do in a person's life. And, and I, I remember he finally got to the place where he was saying, you just don't understand what it is to be dealing with drugs and, and, and the temptation that comes from all that. And I'll never forget Wayne going, dealing with drugs. I was behind drugs for 16 years, and God delivered me. And everybody in the room probably was between the ages of 18 and 21. And when Wayne said 16 years, the room went, whoa. Because that was like the beginning of creation. <laughs> and the guy made a mistake that we often make. We think that the person who gives in to temptation is the one who really understands that temptation, man, that's strong. That's, they don't know anything about temptation. It's the person who resists temptation that understands what the strength is that temptation has, and there's only one who's carried it all the way. We have a great high priest who is able to empathize with our weakness because he has been tempted in every way, just as we are. You know, when I said, take your, your number one sin, your number one struggle, and look around the room, and there are others who have that too. Jesus was in that group. He did not sin. But he was tempted just like you in every way, just like you. We sin. And if the enemy can get you to believe that you're the only one or, or that, that you're the worst one, then he can get you to be loath to take it to God each time. But look at this verse. This is one of the... Uh, Life verses for me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And when this verse comes up, I often hear people kind of 
kind of skip over the confess part and go, you got to repent because repentance is turning and going the other way. And listen, turning and going the other way is important, but that's not the word that God uses there. And God is not sloppy about his words. Confess. Confess. Oh, I confessed it yesterday. Well, okay. Uh, you need to confess again today? Well, I confessed it 10 minutes ago. Well, do you need to confess it again? Do it. Just do it. You go, well, I, God's going to get tired of all that. No, he's not. He's faithful and just. And he'll forgive you each time. And the reason, we know he's faithful, but why is it just? Well, he's not forgiving you because you didn't think bad thoughts for 15 minutes. He's not forgiving you because you didn't, uh, you didn't stumble in the last three days. He's forgiving you because Jesus died on the cross. That's why he's forgiving you. And you go, well, he's going to get tired of me. You're going to get tired of the sin before he gets tired of forgiving you. Confess. Back in the 90s, there was a, there was a song that I, I really appreciated a lot. A lot. It, was, uh, it was about a guy who walked by a uh, uh, monastery. That's what that thing's called. Walked by a monastery every day, and he would think, wow, it must be wonderful living in there. I mean, to, to be holy, to be that near to God. And then one day, one of the monks was outside, and he comes up to him, and he asked him, what's it like in there? Just, just, just tell me what it's like. And the chorus of the song, which was so beautiful and so powerful, was we fall down and we get up. We fall down and we get up. We fall down and we get up. A saint is just a sinner who falls down and gets up. Okay, I, I, that's the right time, isn't it? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hurry along here. When you think you are immune is when you're the most liable to fall. You ever seen anybody uh, pick up a fumble or uh, make an, catch an interception? In, uh, in football, I got a football back here. Uh, in, in the early service, I had it up here on the rock, but I thought some people might think we were worshiping it or something. So, I, so. But have you ever, you ever seen anybody, they intercept a football, and then they go running down the field like this. Hi, Mom, I got a football. You know, they're not, not used to having it and everything, and so they're running down the field like this, and you know what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. They're going to go running down the field, get up close to the goal line, do a Leon let. <sighs> Where'd it go? When you think that you're, you're beyond this, I'm not struggling with that. You ever, you ever had a, a, a temptation that you thought you had put to bed? And it hadn't maybe even reared its head in months, maybe even years. And then one day, it just floors you. Isaiah chapter 6 is, is a wonderful chapter. Isaiah goes, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. The train of his robe filled the temple. There were seraphs flying around him. and They were crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory and the, and the thresholds of the temple shook. 
And you read that and you kind of think, wow, boy, now that'd be, a, that'd be a church service worth going to, you know. He saw the Lord, boy, I would love to see the Lord. You know what Isaiah's response was? Woe is me. I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among an unclean people, and my eyes have seen the Lord Almighty. The closer you are to God, the more clearly you see the sin in your life. When I was, when I was away from the Lord, I, had, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not doing anything wrong. You know, I'm okay. And then I got saved, you know, and some of those things flew away and some of those things were there. And as I've walked with the Lord over the years, the closer that I've gotten to him, the more... <laughs> This, this wonderful, fabulous mystery. You know, I was talking about uh, some people feel like, well, I'm just not worthy. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't this incredible? I'm not worthy, and yet I am. I have total access to come boldly before the throne of grace. It's a magnificent thing to close. And, and when people think, I don't, I don't really have temptations anymore, I think, you don't really know God, do you? You're not very close to him, are you? Once you think, I got this, you are toast. Because Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Last thing here, God will provide a way of escape. Actually, it's not the last thing, psych. Uh, this does not mean that, you know, I've, heard, I've heard this verse used, and it says, oh, God won't put on me more than I can bear. And so, you know, the, the corollary to that is when I fall to temptation, I'm kind of going, well, God, you did it again. Put more on me than I can bear. But that's not what this is saying. It says that he will not put on you more than you can bear because in every situation, he will provide a way of escape. Look for the way of escape. It's there. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's, it's real simple. It's not usually a big mystery. It often involves simply getting up and walking out of the room. Sometimes it involves, I'm sorry, I don't go there anymore. I don't hang out there anymore. It may involve just changing the channel. It may involve thinking about something else. You know, I mean, you know, whatever the, the, the thing is that you deal with the most, you know when it's coming on. I mean, you can feel it coming on. And, and, and you just sometimes have to go, wait a minute, I'm not going there. I'm going to go over here. Maybe I can. Let's, let's talk about Jesus, you know. Let's talk about something good, you know. The greatest way to escape, though, and you guys can come on out. It, it'll, it'll make everybody feel better. <laughs> the greatest way of escape, those in Psalm 119, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I'm not talking about memorizing the whole Bible. <laughs> you know, Eve 
felt the, the original sin was because we didn't believe God's word. Eve, Eve knew that God said, if you eat from that tree, you'll die. The tempter came along and said, you're not going to die if you eat from that tree. She went, hmm, hmm. I choose that one. I didn't believe what God said. And so it's no wonder that the cure is to believe. God loved the world so much, he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. But, you know, if you, if you do go a little bit further and decide, you know, I, okay, I, I know now to look for a way of escape, but, you know, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to, you know, not be a corporal anymore. Maybe I won't be a sergeant, you know, or something. You're going to have to get in the Word. Well, I knew there was a catch. i got to read the Bible, huh? Well, not to, not to be saved, but if you want to, if you truly want to follow Christ, Jesus used the Word against every temptation that Satan brought. Turn these stones to bread. Well, man doesn't live by bread alone. Oh, you're going to use the Bible, are you? Well, I'll use the Bible on you. Cast yourself down, because Scripture says that angels will catch you, and you won't, you know, uh, won't even stub your foot against a stone. Yeah, but it also says don't put the Lord your God to the test. You know, uh, when you're, when you're cherry-picking verses in the Bible, you can make it say all kinds of things. And sometimes they'll say things that seem to contradict. But what you have to understand is there's a dynamic that is going on there. Yeah, there are times when you need to rely on that verse. Oh, he's going to protect me. I mean, he, he'll even send angels to protect me. But that's not as important as don't put the Lord your God to the test. There's only one thing he says to test you in. And and I'm not going to test him in, and I'm not going to bring that up again because you go, oh, they just talk about tithing all the time. But, but, you know, that's the only thing he says to test him in. See all this stuff? It's mine, and I'll give it to you if you'll bow down and worship me. Uh, no. Worship the Lord your God. Serve him only. That's what the Bible says. See, got his word in my heart so that I might not sin against him. I hope you've heard something today that can be useful in your life and your walk with the Lord. Um, we're going to worship for a few moments. Those of you who came uh, needing prayer, we got brothers and sisters as well as come on down who are going to be here and be welcome. They would love to pray with you. And you don't have to be ashamed or anything because nobody else is going to know why you're coming down. Just you, the person you're praying with, God and the devil. And only one of those doesn't like it. So if you got something that you need prayer for, you feel free to come forward today. Would you stand with me? And you're welcome to come as we, uh, as we worship.